Who wants to tell you who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine. The new tropics for the brain. It's coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey everybody, welcome back to Java Chat Coffee with Mike here, and I get to sit with our guest of the, well, I usually say guest of the day, guest of the week, or something like that. I got Timothy in with us today, an author, and just, a, we got to talk about this book, because you guys are, are going to be, like, floored. There's an actual framework for making better choices, and he has outlined it in his latest, and that's exactly one of the reasons we're here to talk about it. Timothy, thanks for joining us here on Java Chat. Thanks so much, Mike, for having me. Absolutely. So give us a little background about yourself, brother. Where are you from? What you do? How you been? You know, how'd you get to where you're at today? Well, let's start with how I've been. I've been really well. <laughs> I'm very thankful for just the opportunities I've been given, as such as being able to launch this book. I reside in the Bay Area, Northern California, Woo! East Bay to be exact. So East, East of San Bay. Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm out there in those parts. And by trade, I'm a clinical psychologist. AKA healer. So I'm nice, really big nice. on, we like the, we, like the, we like the proper titling. It's not, it's not just, yes. a, yeah. Yeah. But I, I love being able to empower people, heal people, change people's narratives. That, that's kind of what I'm about. Give them real life practical skills, which is what this book is about. And yeah, I have a beautiful wife and a 16 month old son at the time of this uh, recording. The life, so of, I'm a the life of a parent. somewhat new dad. Yeah. Been congratulations. Dad. I'm, so I'm not quite a new dad. I got a 19-year-old. Is it a boy or a girl? Boy, I have a son. You have a lot coming. Anyway, <laughs> not, not throwing anything bad out there. I'm just saying you have a lot coming. There's a lot, of wonderful, there's a lot of wonderful events that are going to happen in a boy's life that you get to, to get to watch as he grows. It's, it's awesome. That. So you currently practice as a therapist now in East Bay? Correct. So okay. right now I am working part-time at a hospital called Kaiser Permanente. And uh, then I yep, also have familiar. my own business uh, as oh, a awesome. private practice owner. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Right on. And you've been doing that for how many years? I've been doing Kaiser for about six years and I've been doing private practice for about two and a half. Nice. The private practice is different. It's a little more freer, isn't it? It is. You can yeah. be your own man, be your own boss and, you know, you get to choose the people that you think are a really good fit versus if you work for, for a hospital, you see anyone that comes through the door. Yeah. So it's yeah. a little bit of a different system, but both great. Awesome. Awesome. Now, here comes the fun. How did you choose to do that? Well, <laughs> some could say that I didn't choose it. But <laughs> it, chose it chose me. It chose it me. Chose me. <laughs> yeah. And, and when I tell you the story, it's going to make a little bit more sense. Sweet. So, bring it. Bring it. So, Let's hear it. So, so out, of, out of high school, uh, mm -hmm. I really wanted to be a journalist. So I, I did something like a broadcasting little radio show yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. In, in high school for the morning announcements. Thought sure. it was the coolest thing next Absolutely. to sliced bread. Yep. So right out of high school, I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. But I didn't want to pay for college. Call uh, me frugal. But I was like, I don't want to really pay for college. I want the government to pay for my schooling. So I decided to enlist in the U.S. Army out of high school. Thank you for your To be service. a journalist. Nice. Oh, thank Good you. Job. Yeah. But then 
I realized that I was severely colorblind, which is kind of weird, right? That it took me till 18 to realize this deficit. But when I went through the MEP system, realized I was severely colorblind. So I couldn't be a journalist. That got crossed off the list. Wow. Again, one of the great mysteries of the universe. Not really sure why color vision is that important to report the news. But whatever the case may be, that got crossed out. And one of the few jobs left over was mental health. Mental health does not need color, apparently. No, no. So, although they, they, well, because, you know, they just do black ink. Pretty much, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's really what got me into the field. Yeah, was was I wanted to be a mental health specialist because it was the next best thing to journalism. And what was funny was, if I was really candid, I thought it was a sham job. Right <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that you can pay me to just like listen to people talk about their problems? Shoot, sign me up. That is such an easy gig. <laughs> Until I went into the army and realized, man, people got some real pain. Like there's some really messed up stuff that people go through. And I realized, wow, it's very meaningful. I like what what I'm doing, but I was very ill-equipped as a 18-year-old going into this field. Oh, sure. You can't imagine hearing some of the stories from some of our veterans. I mean. Yeah. Ooh, it's heart-wrenching stuff. So I knew that when I got out of the service, I was going to go back to school to to pursue it get as equipped as i could and that's what led me to be a psychologist well first off thanks again for your service and and that is a heck of a story as far as a a literal shift that is one hell of a shift from from being one that tells to being one that listens sure and then listening to some of the stories i have friends that were nurses in the va and i remember one story they had a, a Vietnam vet. This is obviously, this is a long time ago, but they had a Vietnam vet that they would have to strap on every evening. And in the daytime, he would say, please, yeah. you're going to hear some pretty wild stuff at night. Do not come into the room. Just don't, don't pay attention to it because there's nothing that can. And at the time, there was nothing that could be done for him. Mm-hmm. But he would literally, they'd be screaming all night from his room yeah. and they had to tie him down. But it was because that's how badly he got messed up when he was in Vietnam. Yeah. <clears throat> now we have all our veterans coming home from <clears throat> the Middle East. <clears throat> and it doesn't matter where you come from, whether it's Afghanistan or Syria or what have you, they're going through a lot of stuff too. So yeah, there are, but now there are treatments that are actually proven working that are Correct. helping. I met a, I met a medic who was working with a company that created a machine that puts you into a theta state and helps you readjust. Mm-hmm. And he says, I still have the memories, but I no longer have the anxiety, which is phenomenal. So good. If you can at least so get the, the, yeah, I mean, you may never get rid of the memories. I mean, it's emblazoned, but at least you can, you can now handle it. So, mm-hmm. so, so now that you're out and you're dealing with private, private practice, what more are you seeing today what are you seeing now well now i guess it depends on which population we're talking about so with with the hospital do you still work with veterans at all or uh, not directly i do have a few veterans on my on my caseload but it's not because they're a veteran that's why i'm seeing them they just happen to be a veteran with some challenges got it got it but the the population is uh, some of them i'm fortunate to be able to serve kind of the medical 
Medicaid like population through the hospital. Yep. So I, you name it, I've seen it in, in yeah. terms of uh, challenges. We get plenty of it at home too, as much as we see it outside. There's a lot that goes on in humans' lives. Yeah. Daily, I would, I would assume. Yeah. So yeah, so just a, and because of the pandemic as well, I mean, yeah, that's just not added a whole that, other level. That, I was going to say that's a whole, that exacerbated the problem. That didn't make it any easier, I'm sure. Oh, so when you're when you're looking at at well, how did you? So you got this book that just came out, the uh, titled "Choose Choose Better," correct? That's it. Dropped on the dropped on the 26th last month. Which, by the way, congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. But how did you get to that? I mean, you're 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 in a Obviously, you're helping people make choices. You came up with a new framework. So how did that happen? So I actually had dinner with a, with a friend who is a pretty high executive in the tech world. Mm-hmm. And me and a, a partner of mine were in the midst of starting a business together. I wanted to ask her what could uh, really serve her employees, her, her staff. Sure. And sure. the sure. thing that she told us was critical thinking. How can you help my executives, my staff, my supervisors think better, (laughs) given that there's a lot of deadlines, stresses, competition between different specialties in terms of who thinks they're right or have a better idea. And she's like, is there any way that you can help them streamline the process, work through their emotions and make better decisions? So that's where the idea was birthed. That, that dinner. And then I sat down, thought about it a little bit more, and I realized, wait, this is not a, a tech industry issue. This is it's, a human issue, right? It's a human People issue. Yeah. are faced with some pretty challenging things in their lives and sometimes gets overwhelmed by just oh, the sheer number of things that are happening and what they're feeling. Yep. And I thought about a lot of the work that I've had the privilege of doing with my clients, and I realized hey, there is some general themes in terms of the the healing process and helping people make powerful, authentic, well-thought-out choices. There are these kind of key components that surfaces every time. I'm sure. That's where the idea of writing a book came to mind. I was like, I think I could encapsulate that in a really kind of accessible way for the common man to read. And it can impact people far beyond what I could reach in an office. One oh, on yeah. one. I can only oh, yeah. reach a small number of those people, but maybe this book can reach many more people that could, you know, make better decisions for their lives. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, just, just in the, <laughs> just in the human condition alone, when we're thinking about people making choices, a lot of times they still choose emotionally versus mm-hmm. following a path of logic or, you know, following the, the true facts of what it is that they're looking at. And, and I'm talking about life decisions, you know, sometimes people will go, uh, RE, even your path, if you think about it, you know, when you look at the decisions that you made and then what you ended up doing, you ended up choosing at first emotionally and then realizing logically afterwards, it's like, oh no, this was a good, this was a good move. It's interesting that if, if I think completely I am HO and five bucks, which gets you Starbucks, that if we took more time to realize the reality of what was really going on and follow a logical path, that better decisions would be made. Unfortunately, the human condition is to think emotionally and choose from there. 
So as you wrote this book, what did you find? I mean, what, what kind of revelations did you realize? Besides that, what other revelations did you have? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say the revelations as they are highlighting the science behind why people don't make good choices. So that's nice. some of my nice. beginning chapters is sure. let's just spell it out and, and put it on the table because when people realize, you know, there's these like unconscious forces at play that mm -hmm. create these knee-jerk reactions to respond, if people are just more well that more aware that that's happening, they have a fighting chance to counter some of those reactions. So I definitely address a lot of those bad choice making variables yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the book. And yeah. then I present the framework, which is like a four part question series to help people walk through thinking things through, identifying who they are, their values, like right. really making choices that come from their being rather yeah. than some of these other What's that saying? Like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Like whatever seems to scream out at you first, that's the yep. thing you pay attention to. The framework is really doing its best to quiet the outside white noise and focus in on the the real data points that are going to matter for your decision making. That was actually a piece of advice given to me by an old hell's angel. Oh, nice. Believe it or not, that of, of all the places <laughs> of wisdom that it would come from, he literally looked at me and he went, Whatever's screaming the loudest, shut it out. There's something quiet behind it that you're supposed to be paying attention to. And I'm looking at him going, that's the hell's angel telling me this. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Just don't hurt me. Yeah. Got oh, it. Uh, he was, th thankfully, he was a good friend. But it, literally, he was one of those guys who was like, listen, I'm going to give you some wisdom here. If it's a good. choice between your head and your heart, follow your head because your heart's going to get you in trouble. And if there's a lot of noise shut the noise off. There's something quiet behind it that you really should be paying attention to. And I was like, okay, Whoa. I'm in. Cool. Thank you, bro. You know, it, it, cool. wisdom sometimes comes out of the most unlikely places, doesn't it? Oh, if you're willing to listen, wisdom is everywhere. That, everywhere. I, I yes. think that's the problem is most people think just because of a, what's the word? Oh, of course, brain fart time. The, it has to do with the fact that, oh, preconceived notions, that there isn't wisdom someplace just because of a bad connotation, there we go, around sure. something or some title. And it's like, no, every human has wisdom. You, yes. you, need, to, you need to keep your ears open just in case. And if you don't, it's your loss, <laughs> right? Well, if you don't listen, that's on you. The yeah. universe, God is, is talking to you, and if you <laughs> shut it out, I mean, hey, that's on you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. I, <laughs> somebody's got the experience out there that you don't, you might as well at least stick it in your, and this, and this is something that I've lived with for years. Anytime I get advice from anybody, I don't care who it is, whether it's relevant that moment or not, I stick it in the filing cabinet because who knows for you, you, if you end up in that situation and you don't have that file ready or that file isn't there, which happens mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Yeah. You, you're, you're going to, you're going to be filing your own report and it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> It's going to come at a cost. It's going to come out as a cost. There will be no ROI on this investment. Sorry. <laughs> or there will be, but it's a much higher cost than you oh, oh, yeah. Could yeah. wanted to pay because you could have just listened to you wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Not pay the cost. Yes. <laughs> That's cool, dude. That's awesome. All right, cool. People can find the book. Guys, just for those of you, I'm, I'm going to say it now, even though I say it at the end, you can find the book on Amazon.com. The link will be down below. Make sure you grab a copy. Obviously, this book is written for anybody. 
anybody. Is there, is there, is there anything in particular you'd like to icing the cake, if you will? Is there anything you'd like to, to add on to why this book should be a part of your library? Well, let's talk about the audience. So I didn't have an audience in mind. Okay. When, when, when you write a book, at least that's what I was told, you want to have an audience in mind. They call it an avatar, sure. like sure. your sure. ideal reader. Absolutely. Who are you really yeah. shooting for? And so I don't want to be so arrogant and be like, yes, this book's for everyone, even though I think it really is. But the, but the key audience really comes down to two groups of people. Audience number one is people who are generally indecisive. Mm-hmm. They just have a really hard time making a call, feeling good about the choices that they make. They, they seem to stay in a perpetual state of confusion yeah, or, or, yeah, just, or just yeah. passiveness, just straight up passive. Just, I don't want to choose anything. I don't want to be wrong about my choice. So, so that's group number one. And then group number two is people who make regrettable choices. So sometimes they just make it too quickly. They haven't really yeah. thought it through. Yeah. They, they pull the trigger and realize, oh, shoot. I shot the wrong person like that, that. That's not what I was trying to go for, but now I have to pay the piper for what I've done. Hopefully and, literally shot the person, but yes, that's a bad choice. That was a, that was, yeah. So, so I'm aiming for those two groups of people. I can help people who are indecisive, be empowered to be more decisive. And then people who have no problem making a choice, they just don't always make great ones to make better ones. My job here is done, right? That, that's really what the book so, is aiming for. So, so essentially everybody, because that everyone has at one point or another, either been one or the other, or have been both. Open both, so, yep. Yeah, so that's, good, that's good call. Hint, hint, for those that are listening, <laughs> get the damn book. <laughs> Guys, we're going to take a short 30-second pause. When we come back, you know, the next section, we're going to talk about what inspires, what, what gets him motivated to, to do what he does in the mornings and, and every day. So we're going to take a short 30-second pause, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Java Chat, Coffee with Mike here, sitting with Timothy Yen, author of the new book, Choose Better. Second section is always the same. We always ask our, our guests, you know, what inspires them, what motivates them, what gets them moving in the morning, which leads us to, you know, what kind of books have you read in the past that have inspired you, or what kind of mentors or people that you have taken after and follow and listen to but the whole thing about taking advice, which we just got through. What, what wakes you up, man? What gets you? I'm, I'm going to assume the little one is definitely one of them, but what else? Yes. So I, I did want to go on a slight tangent in saying that the reason why I stuck with being a psychologist was actually for two reasons, okay. which will connect to what motivates me every day. I needed to find a line of work that checked these two boxes. Uh, box number one is it has to be interesting. It, there has to be a certain level of variety challenge sure. or else, sure. you know, if I'm just putting the same car part on this vehicle day in, day out, like that would be really tough for me. Yeah. But I needed yeah. to know that there's something that was alive, something that was new and challenging mm. and people people are it people yeah. are all those things yeah uh, they are. i, I <clears> kind of <throat> joke and say that i could see 10 people who struggle with depression but every single one is so vastly different in oh, terms yeah. of how they got to where they are and the treatment becomes vastly different they customized to what's going on so i love that part of my work and the second part which is equally important if not more important is that it's meaningful work right meaning that 
I need to know that it's making some sort of contribution, that it's making people's lives better, that my time here on earth was better because I was here because of what I was willing to, to give back and, and help change people's trajectories from wherever they were headed to somewhere where they actually want to go. So those are kind of the two things that really resonated with me in this particular field. And I get to do that pretty much every day. That's huge, dude. That's huge. The simple, the simple, the simple part of it being that there's an effect. It affects other people's lives in a positive manner. That's both admirable and just super courageous, dude, because you're in a field that's you see some real heavy stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say heavy shit because it, it pretty much is. Um, it could be. Not always, yeah. but yes, yeah. some of yeah. them are very heavy for sure. Yeah. And, and, and maybe you can share a couple of stories of, of how that's worked out as far as the things that have worked and those that you have served. Not necessarily a specific uh, story, but how, how you've seen it change someone's life or something of that nature. Because I'm sure that the end result is just proof in the pudding, so to speak, that you made the right choice. Yeah. So that's a really great question, Mike, which is how do I even know that this stuff works? Are, are people's lives actually improved or am I in this weird delusion that I think it is, but there's really <laughs> no evidence that that's actually <laughs> happening? And if you were to ask me, the obvious answer is the feedback that I get from my clients. Sure. They're the ones that tell me straight up that, you know, this is the evidence. I was here and now I'm doing this kind of stuff with in these kind of healthy relationships that I wasn't in before. I, I found more uh, purpose, meaning in, in the work that I do. So, so that kind of transformation does occur through the process of counseling. And how do I help people get there? What I would say is a lot of people come into my office or, or come work with me because there is some screaming agony of pain of, of some sort, uh, sure, be it sure. depression, anxiety, just whatever it is whatever that's it is, really yeah. plaguing it. Right. And, and that's what gets them into see me. And for those of you who have never tried counseling or have no idea, like, what that world is about what i want to tell people is that is what gets people in the door but that's not really why they're here they think that they're going to come see some magician that's going to like wave some wand and the pain <laughs> is going to be gone right and and I, I tell people i'm like if i could do that i would totally do it if, if i could wave a wand and just make the pain go away i would totally do it oh, yeah. however the pain is actually not the problem the pain is the byproduct. It's, it's the right. byproduct of a real problem. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. Just like the pain is not the issue. It's your broken leg. Right. The broken leg is the issue. You need to yeah, get that, yeah, like, yeah. splinted or cast, right? But the pain is what screams at you saying, hey, Houston, we have a problem. We, we have right. an issue. You want to take a look at it. Right. So in a weird way, pain is actually a gift. If you didn't experience the pain, you would not know to take a look under the hood to figure out what's actually wrong. So, so part of the process is just getting some insight, just getting some clarity to what's really happening. And sometimes when people are in 
the state of confusion, a, a lot of stress, multiple things that multiple fires mm-hmm. figuratively that they're trying to mm-hmm. put out. They mm-hmm. can't think straight. They don't really know what the problem is, but they are severely depressed or really yep. anxious or tired. <clears throat> they can't sleep, whatever the case may be. And just being able to walk through that process and identifying, hey, I think this is the primary issues. Like, <clears throat> you don't have the kind of connections that you want or the work that you do, even though it pays well, is meaningless to you. You don't feel yeah. like you're making a difference at all. Whatever the case may be, when people have that aha moment and saying, no, you're right. This is, I thought this was the problem, but it's really not. It's really this. Then the work really begins. When, when that insight is kicked in and there's some clarity about what's really causing them discontent, then we start talking about collaborative problem solving. What is it that's missing or what kind of strengths that you already embody can we use to help you work through the issues and achieve or cultivate the kind of results that you want in your life. Do you, so that do you, process helps. Yeah. Do you, do you find a lot of that has to do again with what you wrote about, which is choosing better? Do you, do you find that a lot of times it was choice, choices made emotionally or choices just made improperly, period? You know, it's not always about emotion. Sometimes you just make bad choices. But do you, do you right, because I'm missing... Yeah, or, or missing information because they didn't take the time to kind of look into it. Or sometimes you did the best that you could because that's all that you have at your disposal at, at, at the and point the choice in time. Was, and the choice was still not, not good. Yeah, no, no, I get that too. That, that makes yeah. sense. When, you, when, you are, when you're in the midst of that, and I think a lot of people, I've had other healers and counselors on here. And since we're on that subject, let's, if you don't mind for just a couple minutes, let's go dig into that a little bit. Let's dig. Um, I think I think a lot of people miss the fact that counseling is not for because there's still this stigma around it of counseling is not for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not that person. And yet, sure. I think a lot of people miss that counseling isn't about being that person. You know, using the word crazy or whatever it is that they want to mm-hmm. use. A lot of times, it's just you may not see the signs. You might you yeah. might be internalizing your anger and not even realize it. If anybody remembers the the uh, movie Anger Management which was freaking hilarious, but it brought a real issue to light and actually had me taking a look at my own life and going, am I internalizing anything? And, you know, figuring out from there whether I needed to go get some help or not and stuff. And I have been to counselors randomly and, and, you know, intermittently for different things just because it's like, hold on a second, something's not right there. Maybe I need to go talk to somebody because I'm not the specialist. I mean, I know me to a degree, but it might take somebody else from outside. What do you tell somebody to get them to understand? It's okay to, to, to meet with a counselor, not see a counselor, but meet with a counselor and sit down and, and go dig. You know, there's nothing wrong with digging. You might as well know what's going on, right? Yeah. If you were to ask me, it's really a matter of self-respect and that's loving cool yourself. Yeah, that's a cool that, way to look at it. I like do that. you love yourself enough to fight for a higher quality of life? And if the answer is no, then don't get counseling. Like figure <laughs> it out. I mean, it, and, and, here, and I'll be really honest with you. Most people could probably get through life decently without counseling. I'm not going to toot my own horn and be like, oh, everyone should come get counseling. Everyone needs it. I'm not that arrogant, but, but what I would say is what would take someone 
maybe two years of their life to figure out this one thing could be unraveled within a few weeks. I mean, that's some good ROI. Like you can get so much of your life back because you have the cutting edge insight or, or being able to just change the trajectory of how you live your life. My big question is, why not? Why would you deprive yourself of saving tons of time, getting the wisdom as we were talking about earlier, so that you can actually live in, in the state of power, right? And being mm. able to live the life that you want. Sure. And if it's just this pride or, or money or whatever the reason may be to not get that kind of assistance, again, that, that's on you. I mean, it's, it's a free country. You can do whatever you want. But I just <clears throat> believe that everyone in their own life is too close to their own life. There's no objectivity, right? Like they're just, it's like closer to their skin. Yeah. And so you, you may know things about yourself and about your situation, but inherently there's going to be blind spots. Everyone has All blind day. spots. All things day. that they just can't see their own yep. past experiences, preconceived notions that keep us blind. Like we just mm-hmm. can't see it from yep. a reality standpoint. And how powerful is it to be able to talk to someone that isn't so intermingled into your life and can see it from a third person perspective and be like, Hey, have you ever seen it this way? Or I think this is really what's going on in the background that you may or may not be aware of that that's worth its weight of salt in, in my opinion. It's so really- like you said, you don't have to do it forever, but man, if you can just break through some of these things yeah. that are really holding you back, shoot, why, why not? So, so two things, two points that I'm going to throw out there because I, I want to take away the economics issue. Most health plans today include some kind of mental health element. So if you think you're not able to afford it, go check with your employer or go check with, because I believe even Medicaid in, in most states have it, go check mm-hmm. to see if you can get a referral to a mental health expert because it's not going to cost you if that's the case. Now, if you're in one of those situations where you can't, okay, I got it. For the most part, most of us can. We just don't know. Yeah. The other one is the, that that whole having a third party taking a look. And I've always, I've always told people, my friends, I'm like, look, this is what I'm seeing. And the only reason I'm seeing this is because I'm outside of your storm. When you're in the middle of a tornado, you can't see shit. Mm-hmm. But those of us that are standing on the outside, even if the damn thing's 40 kilometers wide, we can still see in and see where you're at and see what you're doing. And this is what we see. You might want to make some different choices. Or maybe try this instead or something of that nature. Now, that's just being a friend. When you got somebody who's a meteorologist that understands the storm even better than we do, probably a good idea to go talk to them and try to get that figured out. That's it. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Yeah, they know weather, right? They know weather. So you're stuck and you're unsure what kind of storm, but you're in some sort of storm. Yep. Why would you not take an hour of your week to figure out what kind of storm it is? how to get the heck out of it. How did you get in the storm to begin with? Yeah. And what yeah. is a practical next step to move out of the storm? It, oh, it, it just seems like a no brainer. Isn't it interesting to see how humans willingly walk into the middle of storms without thinking yeah. where, where, where they could be taking a nice fresh step in a, in a, in a nice and sunny day. They see a tornado and they go, Ooh, let's see what that looks like. And they run right into the middle of it. And then all of a sudden, so this, this is going to bring us to talking again now a little bit more about the framework of, of Choose Better. And we're not going to give all steps, but we're going to talk about maybe one or two and because I, I, I think it's valuable. And then after that, I'll have to get the book. 
<laughs> it's it's because I think a lot of I think a lot of people miss, and I'm I'm really excited to hear the, or read the book, see the whole thing. But I think a lot of people miss the preparation of making a choice. They they like you said, a lot of people rush into things without sometimes not looking for the information, sometimes not having the information, and realizing they can choose not to choose and walk away. Because I've, I've, I've had friends that have done it. They're like, well, I had to do it just because I'm like, but facts. And they're like, yeah, well, I didn't know that at the time. I'm like, yeah, so facts are there now. You're going to stay there. <laughs> Come on, dude. Exactly. Yeah, it's like we have to we have to address, I think, that part too. So we're doing real good on time, guys. We're going to take another short 30-second break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about that. And then what's in the future, obviously, because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing podcasts screaming in the back of my head, whether you have one or not, I don't know. We'll find out in a second, but that should be something, especially maybe you can call it the choose better podcast. We'll, we'll figure that out. We'll be, be back in about 30 seconds right after this. The best I can give you is choose better is a state of mind, meaning that no matter what kind of experiences you've had, no matter if you have a, a, a terrible track record of bad choices, you can always choose better. It, it's you're only one decision away from pivoting from whatever you may be facing, whatever your experience is being normal. Never give up, understand yourself, love yourself, be able to uh, work through what matters to you. And you're one choice away from really capturing the life that you want.